talking with you about. We love you in the face of Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome back. We are starting a new series this morning. Are we all good? Great. Uh, if you've been with us for a little bit, you know we just did a, just completed a series called Pain, Presence, Comfort, and Joy. We talked about the role of pain in our lives to bring us into the presence of God, which brings comfort and joy. And then we just ended last weekend with Easter, a great Easter celebration, looking at the life of Mary, who ran towards Jesus and then ran towards all the disciples. So finding, meeting Jesus in the resurrection and then running out towards the disciples with great anticipation. This morning we're going to start a series out of John chapter 13 all the way to verse chapter 17. So we're going to be looking at a section of the Gospel of John. When I was in college, I was discipled by a man named John Bruce. He had a very, very powerful impact in my life as a young college student. He pastored me. He mentored me. I met with him regularly for several years, even on a, on a weekly basis. And John taught me how to study God's word and memorize God's word, how to pray, how to share my faith, and how to grow in Christ. And I remember one time I was asking, I wanted to know a little bit more about how to grow in my relationship with God. And I asked John, John, how would you do it? And he looked at me, and he just said these words. He said, study the gospel of John. That's all he said, just study the gospel of John. I said, well, give me some more information. He said, well, look at Jesus. And every place you find Jesus in the gospel of John, study his relationship with God. So look at Jesus in relationship with the, his father and how he grew in his relationship, and you'll learn how to grow in your relationship. And I tell you, that was 38 years ago. I still remember that, and that became a life pursuit for me. And we're going to look at one of the most intimate, connecting sections of John, where jo Jesus intimately connects with his father and also connects with his disciples and teaches them how to enter into a belonging relationship. And for the next several weeks, we're going to look at those markers out of John 13 to 17 that are markers that help us understand what it looks like to be in a connecting, belonging relationship with our Father. How do we belong to God? How do we grow in that intimacy? How do we grow in that connection? How do we grow in that relationship? Well, we're going to look at that through the eyes of Jesus as he talks about various things. And in John chapter 13, we're going to begin with a powerful, a powerful image of Jesus in his role of serving his disciples through foot washing. It's a very, very important and powerful passage. And it teaches us a lot about how we belong to God through serving, through connecting with this symbol of foot washing. And then later in the weeks to come with James and Bill and Stefan von Ruti from Switzerland is going to be here, a powerful Bible teacher and professor who leads young people into the ministry through Switzerland and all throughout Europe. He will be with us next week. So, and then Bill and Jane, James, and as well as Matt, I think it's going to be a great series. And so we're going we're gonna to join with, with them as we learn about not only foot washing, but loving one another, what that really means, about prayer. We're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our belonging. And then we're also going to talk about the final thing, which is our fellowship, our intimacy with one another. And so Jesus lays these out, and he begins with this first lesson in John chapter 13. Before the feast of the Passover, now six days before the Passover, it says in John 13, 1, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own 
who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And during supper, so his disciples and Jesus were having a supper, a Passover meal, or actually a meal prior to the Passover festival itself. The devil had already come and put himself into Judas, it says, the son of Simon, Judas Iscariot, who would betray Jesus. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things and into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, notice what he did. After the supper, he gets up, lays aside his garment, takes a towel, and girds himself. I mean, you can imagine. You've got to put yourself in this scene. What in the world is Jesus doing? This is not his role. This is not where Jesus should be. This is somewhere totally outside of his realm. And, and why is he doing this? And the disciples are watching. He pours the water into the basin. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet and wipes them with a towel which he was girding. Came to Simon Peter and says to him, Lord, Simon says to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answers, what I do, you don't realize, but you will understand later. Peter says, no, never will you wash my feet. Jesus says, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part of me. And it says, Simon Peter says to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Wash all of me. I want to be totally clean if this is what it takes to be part of you. Jesus says, he who has bathed needs only to be washed his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. He knew that one of them was going to betray them, speaking of Judas. And when he had washed their feet, taken the garments, reclined at the table again, he said, do you know what I have just done? You call me teacher, you call me Lord. The Lord and the teacher washes your feet. You ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example, it says. And here it is, the example, the great example of foot washing. And then he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Jesus uses this idea as he, as he ends this section. Later he goes on, and there's going to be this dialogue between Peter and John, and, and who's the betrayer, Judas, and, and, and they're going to reveal this, and and all this is going to happen. But here, Jesus says, the slave-master relationship is now turned upside down. What Jesus is about to do is take a menial, insignificant role in the first century. And he's going to show them how to be powerless, useless, and insignificant. Which actually turns out to be powerful, useful, and very significant. Build bridges into the community of faith. They love one another by serving one another and then turning them loose to do the very same thing in their world. So it becomes now a picture for you and I of what it looks like to build bridges into our community with one another. To be connected with God is to build bridges with one another through serving and then turn to our world and to build bridges into our own culture. Not pull away. Not run away, but actually to move forward powerfully through this menial demonstration of servitude. And God will do his greatest work in your life when you do that. And there's a contrast here, and we're going to look at it this morning. And I want to talk about this building these bridges that are going 
through our community and into our world and how Jesus does that. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. But before that, I, I asked two people to draw some images of what came to mind as I painted a picture of what does it look like for you personally when you hear the words of Jesus taking up the towel and washing his disciples' feet. So Mary, would you come up? And um, you can head right over here. And who's my other drawer? Tony, would you come up too? And I want to ask them to explain. You're over here. Yeah, that's your drawing. That's my character. This is your drawing. And I want you to describe, uh, Mary, for us, what came to mind when I just thought, when I asked the question, what does it look like to you for Jesus to wash the disciples' feet, to act in a humble way and serve his disciples in some way that seems almost out of character? I don't think I really had the answer that caused the question before because I thought of my mom, um, not really of but what she did when we were kids. And so this is a picture of that. Um, she told us the story, obviously, of Jesus washing the feet. And so she, we were little brats, and we were too busy, wanting to go to the beach, and she had us all sit on the couch and she washed our feet and, and proceeded to tell us the story. And then we wanted to go down the, I'll tell a little bit more of that story. We went one foot down the beach and she said, I promised this lady whom we barely knew from church that I would um, take her to go buy some shoes because she didn't have a car. And we were so annoyed and um, that she was going to take some lady to go buy some shoes and we wanted to go to the beach. But I'm standing here today. You know, we hear this beautiful song that you sang and that you sing every day, and your family knows it. It's a tradition of singing, You Are With Jesus, every day. And I just, when Mary, when you told me that story, I said, you have to draw this. Because this is, it's okay, it's all right. You don't get a warning, because I wanted the first thing that came to mind, it was your mom washing your feet. And my goodness, talk about it. A tradition in your home that will have an impact for eternity. Like so. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's time. There is a lot of hope and there's a lot of time. And it's it's such a powerful, powerful experience. It really is. If you've ever had a foot washing experience, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's intimate, it's up close and personal, it's powerful. And I think Jesus did it for a reason. I'm gonna look at those two those ideas in a second. But Tony, would you come over and explain to you, uh, explain to us, through you, what you drew that came to mind when you were talking about washing the feet of the disciples? Um, well, so we just got back from Baja um, uh, last night, late last night, uh, a crew of 19 people from the river went down to Ensenada and built a house for a deserving family. And I can't think of a better um, you know, image of, of God serving very well deserving and, and I took some video and hopefully we'll be able to show that at some point but uh, the video or the image of this house that this family, one 24 year old uh, father of three one of the kids living with them he was about three and a half years old and the wife 
who was also very young, that their shack that they lived in was literally fixed cardboard lined with plastic on the top, and it was not more than, I don't know, 10 feet long by four feet wide. And the image of looking in the door of this, <laughs> first of all, this heat billowing from inside that plastic oven, and the image of their uh, little kitchen with all of their neat uh, little stove against the wall that they didn't really use because somebody gave it to them with a canister of propane, but they don't have any propane in their money to make any to get any propane, so it just sat there. And a mattress on the ground where the three of them lived. And so the lady that uh, runs Baja Bound, you know, her first thing that she says to us is that, you know, I'm just happy you guys are here to take another baby off the floor for me. And it's literally a village and a campsite as far as the eye can see down there of just poverty. And and so for us, and the image that I drew was, you know, uh, there was four vehicles that drove down there. There was 19 of us uh, serving this very deserving family. They deserve love and God's love as much as any of us. And here we are with our, I had my eye washed at this one kid that did not let go of my arm as I'm trying to point a hammer. But there's, there's so much um, uh, love that filled the air from us 19 people that were there to really help them uh, live you know, a somewhat normal life under a roof that's not going to cave in when it rains. So that was my image of, yeah. of serving. Fresh. And, and very Thank deserving you. people. Sir. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate that. Um, I want to use these two images. And this is crazy. I just prayed. Lord, just bring me two people, both at the beach and up here, that have some level of drawing skills. And, uh, but I didn't, I wasn't asking for much. I'm really not. I'm really not. I want it raw. I want it to be from you. And I want it to be very personal. And in fact, they work both the, the beach and here have worked out to be my message right here. This is the theological and this is the practical implication of the foot washing of Jesus right here. And it happened exactly at the beach the same way. Different pictures. The theological is what happened when Jesus got on his knees is he was on a theological level. We're talking about a theological level here. If you look at the passage, it says right here, if I do not do this, you will have no part of me. What does he mean by that? Here's what he means by that. You cannot go forward in a relationship with God until you make solidarity with the cross of Christ. And what Jesus was doing was preempting the cross by getting on his knees and serving someone lower than himself. A rabbi, a disciple, the slave, master. It's the whole first century world of Greco-Roman as well as in Judaism. There's this whole pecking order. There's this whole hierarchical system of who's on top and who's on the bottom and where you fit in society, not based upon powerlessness, not based upon serving not based upon giving your life, but literally serving somebody else, Jesus says. And that's the way of the cross. And there was no other way for these disciples to get that until Jesus actually did what your mother did, Mary, in your life, was to show you what Jesus did on the cross. He got on his knees and sacrificed and served us. That's the gospel right there. That's what the gospel looks like. They didn't get it. Jesus said, you've got to get this. And when he washed their feet and grabbed their feet, he was basically saying, this is it. 
this is what I'm going to do theologically. I am going to go to the cross, and when I die, you will live so that you can have a relationship with God and you can live the life that God has called you to. I, you must form a solidarity with the cross, and it's through foot washing where Jesus presents it to, presents it to us. And then later it will become the cross. It, the cross, foot washing will become a memory, a past memory, and will become the cross. But those two are tied in the gospel. This is the early sign of the cross. Now Jesus predicted it, talked about it, but it was Marion Thompson, who's a great theologian, wrote a great commentary, and she said, it signifies the completion of Jesus cleansing his disciples, binding them for all times to himself. Do you see that in 13a? Otherwise, you have no part. You can't belong to the act of servanthood unless you associate with the cross of Christ. In fact, in John chapter 12, Verse 24 to 26, Jesus says the grain of wheat must fall and die, must fall to the ground, and that grain of wheat must die so that it might grow. It only grows and lives when it dies. That's hard for us to understand. That's complicated because we don't want to die. We don't want to die to ourselves. It's hard to become humble and see that. Fenelon was a great writer in the 16th century in France who was a spiritual writer and encourager. And in a book called The Seeking Heart, he reflects on Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, when Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the work of the cross. That's what Jesus was trying to depict here. And then he goes on to say, Jesus didn't say, let him enjoy himself. Jesus didn't say, let him have gorgeously be gorgeously dressed. Jesus didn't say, let him uh, drink in with delight the world's pleasures. Actually, the path upward, the steep mountain of God upward, Fenelon says, to go to God, to ascend to God, death is present everywhere. And the way upward is downward. Do you see that? The upward, the way of upward is to go down in society. To see Jesus go into the cross in the most demeaning, humble way. And Fenelon says, you know what our problem is? Our problem is this. We exaggerate the sacrifices and we ignore the blessings. See, Jesus will say, there is great blessing in this. You will find that you will be blessed, verse 17, if you're willing to understand the way of the cross, you will be blessed. But we exaggerate the sacrifice. Oh my goodness, I can't believe what it's going to cost to do this. This is going to be really hard. I'm, there's no, I'm not up for it. And yet, what Jesus is saying is that we have ignored the blessings that come when we go the way of the cross. You will be blessed. And the disciples didn't get it. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus says, I've got to go to the cross... And I tell you that I will be, I will be beaten. I will be put to death in a grave. I will rise again. What are the next words out of the disciples' mouth? Lord, when you rise again, can I sit on your left and can I sit on your left? They're asking a favor of the Savior who is going to go to the cross for them. They're thinking, what advantage is there for it in me? Rather than seeing the way of the cross in their own life. 
And that's where we start belonging. We start with the cross. It's a cross-centered life that leads upward through downward. It's by dying to self. So it's a real challenge for us. And the second picture that's drawn here is, is really a practical one that Tony drew, of going to Baja, building a house for a family that has nothing. They're at the lowest level of society in the Greek culture. To be homeless, landless, penniless, is to be so low and so insignificant. There's, everybody's above you. And yet, what this team did this last week is they restored the humanity and dignity of people made in the image of God by bringing the cross of Christ somewhere else through an act of servitude. That's the practical outworking of this guy. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's the kind of life Jesus wants us to live. I mean, it's such a powerful reminder. Galatians 5.13. Serve one another humbly in love. This should be an example to you that you may do the very same thing to others, it says. And then if you jump down to verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. You see what Jesus is saying? I'm about to send you. And what I want you to send you doing is this. Reminding them of that. Theologically, everyone needs to come to the cross. Practically, people need the love of Christ through servitude. Now, this is not easy. Let me tell you. It's demeaning sometimes. It's up close. It's personal. It, it's, it's not heroic. It's daily life. It's not remarkable. We're not talking about remarkable kinds of things. I'm on a swim team, and we swim in these lanes, and there's could be three, four people in a lane. And one of the rules, we have several rules, and, you know, it's very, very, you know, you got to just follow the rules. There's no spitting and, you know, all sorts of things. You can't compliment somebody else's suit because that might be inappropriate. So just, you know, mind your own business and swim and say hello and have a great time and enjoy one another, but just be really mindful and be sensitive. And so it works out really well. It's, they're great bylaws in order to build respect and honor towards one another as we all swim. And, and, uh, and one of the other little kind of minor little rules is don't touch someone else's feet when you're swimming. Because you're right behind them and someone's right in front of you. And if you touch their feet, you're in their personal space, but you're also kind of saying, you're swimming too slow, get out of my way. And, and, it's, and people don't like that. They, they sense somebody like right on them. So give a good five second split, you know, uh, distance between people. Well, a number of weeks ago, our, our coach asked us to do an exercise to work on upper body. And that was to partner up with somebody and drag them. So you swim 50 yards dragging somebody holding on to your feet. Now I'm thinking, oh man, this is like total personal space to touch someone else's feet. And the person that I was teamed up with said, hey, don't mind my huge scar on my ankle. And so as I grabbed their feet, I, I looked at them and went, oh my gosh. That is a, I wonder what happened. I wonder what that scar is about. And I wondered, that is a, I mean, that person probably almost lost their foot. I mean, it's, it was just massive. I've never seen it before. And now here I am being dragged by this person by grabbing onto their feet. And I thought of this and I went, that's it. 
That's what it looks like. That's what Jesus is saying. When you grab onto someone, when you wash someone else's feet, you are seeing their scars. You're close enough to know the hurt and the pain that they're going through. You're crossing over racial divide. You're, you're bringing reconciliation. You're learning their life and their story and their scars and their brokenness. It was, Doc, it was Henry Nowen who wrote the book In the Name of Jesus. Highly recommend the book. Read it several times. It's In the Name of Jesus. Henry Nowen, Harvard professor, turns the corner in his life by giving up his professorship at Harvard and his theological training and teaching and goes and lives with special needs adults that have learning issues, that can't live by themselves, that live in community in Christ's name. And it's a beautiful L'Arche. L'Arche is a beautiful community. Joan Vinet runs it. And Henry Nowen leaves behind the books and the lectures and goes and lives among these adults with special needs. And he learns the way of brokenness. And he learns the way of dependence. And he learns how to break across and cross over divides and enter into another world. Became the most significant turning point in his life. And this guy is profound. And he writes about it in the name of Jesus. Uh, and so I think the practical side of things is really the story of you and I. Old customs of status and honor that grow within society do not hold sway among Jesus' followers, one writer said. They no longer apply. That this idea of who's on top and who's on the bottom, it's all gone. It's all taken away. We have to learn the lesson of foot washing to cross over. I read a phenomenal article this last week. It's in the Atlantic, April 2018. It's called The Last Temptation. I recommend it to every single person. I read it over two days. I've read it twice. I'm going to read it again. It's about the movement of evangelicalism in America. And the article is strong. And it's strong because what it says is that we've lost kind of our distinctive public witness by circling around our morality and losing sight of our objective as evangelicals. The word comes from euangelia, which means is to preach the good news. How do we preach the good news if we're circling, circling around our morality and seeing everybody is that we're in and everybody else is out? How do we accomplish that? Jesus is demonstrating going across cultural divide into another person's world, into our culture, to demonstrate the cross of Christ through servitude. And this article is saying, how do we restore that? And there, is, there has been a resurgence. International Justice Ministry, Southern Baptists are redefining their mission approach and all sorts of reconciliation ministries. It's happening in America. It's happening in our church as well. And there are many ways. Let me end with this. And I end with this. I find it fascinating that as we close our study of the foot washing, there's a dialogue about who's going to betray Jesus. What a contrast. We're talking about recruiting disciples for the kingdom. And in this passage, verse 21 all the way to 30, Jesus says, he's troubled. Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. And the disciples, well, who? Who's, who's the one? Which one of the 12 are going to do this? I can't believe this. This going to the cross and 
this act of servitude that's going to define who we are, someone's going to set this thing up. And what I find fascinating in this passage is that Peter turns to John. Peter is the great, amazing leader in the disciple model, isn't he, among the disciples? He's the one that Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church. The powerful witness of Peter. He will become a leader in the church. Yet he leans over to John, and it says of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how John is defined. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you sense the pecking? Do you sense the, the, the traditional pecking order of who's most important and then Judas at the bottom? And they're trying to figure out who's in, who's, who's up and who's down. And Peter turns to John. Why? Because it says, notice this, it says that he was leaning back on the bosom of Jesus. Kolpos, the chest, kolpos. The Greek word is kolpos. You know what it means? Closeness, proximity. It's the exact same word used of Jesus in John 1.18 when it says that Jesus became incarnated into the world and he came from the kolpos of God, the bosom of God, the closest, the proximity of the Father. Jesus came from that close proximity. And what the writer is saying is it's about proximity to God that defines who we become. Who we're in the whole concept of belonging is in proximity to God. You want to be great? You want to be powerful? Become close to God. Become close to Jesus. Rest on him. Peter sees that. And it wipes out all the other, you know, who's who and who's going to do what. And now it all becomes about proximity, closeness. So this morning as we close, James is going to come up and we're going to enter a time of prayer. And we're going to have a really an interesting way to close this morning. So I'm really excited about it. And as we think about this idea of the foot washing, don't ever forget your solidarity with the cross that establishes your relationship with God. What continues your belonging is through serving. Stay close to him. Stay close to his chest. Jesus wants us leaning on him. And he wants all of his disciples to lean on him. That brings belonging like we've never had before.